Chris, off camera, we were talking about Monster Palooza and you know horror geeks versus horror nerds and mm -hmm. things like that. Um, you have such a knowledge and love for movies. How far does that go back, and where does it come from? Um, I mean, it goes back pretty far. I mean, like I, I think probably around like um, five or six years old is probably when I started to like become like very um, immersed in movies and like. And I, I mean, that's pretty much like the mate. That's I mean, you know, I had some side fads here and there growing up, but like movies was always like the major thing. I was always very. Um, it was like movies and like WWF or WWE now. It's like, those are like the two things I was like obsessed with throughout like growing up as a child. And those, those things kind of like defined my personality I felt. And, and um, but like movie, I mean, like I think, um, yeah, I mean, I think like, I think Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, like that, that, that movie from like 1992 or 91, that was like the first movie I ever saw in the theaters. So that was like a transcending experience seeing that film. Cause I just, I would always, every time I would see those like kind of, you know, sensational kind of movies where they had like very heightened realities, like I would, Every time I would see one of those kind of movies, I would just come home and just be so like jacked with energy. And so like I wanted to be in those movies or like, you know, be a part of that world. And I would just get so energized and want to like remake that movie like, you know, at 10 years old or something. Just want to like, I just like, I don't know, I, I can't like quite articulate, but it was like this like sensational feeling that I got, which I think made me really attracted to always wanting to make sort of like, you know, be very attracted to cinematic sort of storytelling and not so much like touchy-feely sort of like you know, cinema verite kind of, I, I can love that stuff as well, but it's like, I was always very attracted to heightened realities and cinematic kind of filmmaking. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I think, uh, I mean like horror, horror movies were definitely, I mean, talk about Monster Palooza, I mean, I mean, horror movies were definitely like the, I think what introduced me to movies. Um, that was like, I mean, going to, I mean, it's a cliche story and a lot of like horror buffs have the same kind of path, but like going to um, Blockbuster and always like, being always uh, drawn to the horror section because like there was something very like, the horror section was very like, it seemed like very off limits to some kids, you know, cause it was a very like, some people, you know, parents want their kids to go to like the comedy section or like, you know, go see James Bond or whatever, and, or like any of the new releases, which most people would always go to. And like, there was something about the horror section was um, really like their poster art, I think was uh, what really like hooked me. And uh, you know, a lot of the films like didn't really um, deliver on their poster art. But um, but uh, but there was a handful that did that to this day still like there are scenes in those. I mean, you look at the films and like, you know, a lot of these films are not like, you know, extraordinary cinema, but like there are there's there's like a soul behind them that there was like a there was tonal things about them. And there were scenes and moments that still are burned into my brain. Things that I saw when I was like nine or 10 years old and like scenes that I some of these movies I still watch today. I mean, like these movies are just like. Um, really kind of define my outlook on the the world from like a horror angle, I guess, and you know films that sort of had this, um, you know, I mean, just I mean, I was really obsessed with like the horror franchises. You know, I loved. I was I got really analytical about sequels, and like I got really like weird about things about like oh, I think you know Nightmare on Elm Street four is better than Nightmare on Elm Street one. You know, all these like really we got very analy analytical about it, and but it's like the Friday Thirteenth franchise and like Child's Play and Hellraiser. I mean, all those franchises, I just like blew through all of them. I just loved franchises and I just watched all of them all the time. And, and at a certain point, my mother and father that were so not into those kind of movies at all. Like they hated those kind of, they hated that I was constantly renting those movies all the time. They just felt very concerned about that. And my mother um, is a very kind of like, you know, um, kind of overprotective kind of personality. And she was, um, she was concerned that, um, that, I, that I was gonna like, you know, that it was like doing something maybe to my psyche, maybe like, you know, cause I was, I was consuming so many of these movies. Uh, cause they were like, you know, the People forget, like, the early Friday 13 movies were really dark. Like, they were really, like, very, like, mean-spirited and really, like, brutal. Like, and, and they were not films that, like, a typical 10-year-old would be consuming on a daily basis. And 
So I, then my father got me uh, hooked on James Bond movies. Because um, I think around this time, like GoldenEye and Tomorrow Never Dies had come out in the theaters like within a couple of years apart. And I just like loved, was there was like probably the first James Bond movies I had seen. And I just like loved those movies so much and those two ones. And, and so then my dad started like, oh, well, you got to go back to like the originals and, and you know, going back to like the Sean Connery's and like, watching like Dr. No and for much. And like, I just literally like every, every time I would return another James Bond movie, I would rent the next one and then the next one. And then, and I was going and then by the certain point, I'd just seen all of them and um, all the way to like, you know, just living daylights and license to kill. And like, they were just, um, and then, then like during that time I was like obsessed with action movies and I was like watching all these action movies and I love like Steven Seagal movies and Jean-Claude, like sudden impact and all these like Jean-Claude or uh, uh, sudden death, sorry. And, and all these like Jean-Claude Van Damme movies, and all these like kind of late eighties, early nineties action movies. And then I would get bored with that and I would be like obsessed with like slapstick comedies and like Jerry Zucker and Top Secret and Naked Gun, Wrongfully Accused and Spy Hard and all that stuff. And then, and then I think like as I started to, um, you know, get older, I started to be like more attracted to, um, I guess like started to uh, uh, em embrace more like, you know, like some international films and started to like, you know, uh, learn about like Kurosawa and, and uh, Sanjo Suzuki and Jean-Pierre Melville and um, Truffaut and all these, all these different directors that were doing some extraordinary things uh, in, in different countries. And, um, just sort of um, seeing it from that point of view. And um, so, I, I mean, like there was a time that I was just like, throughout my um, early 20s and late, I was just kind of like, you know, and throughout my teens and tweens, I guess, I was just consuming everything, you know? Like, I mean, I was just consuming everything. And, and, and I just, um, yeah, but like, but I, but I think like, but genre has always been like the kind of, I've, I've always been attracted to sort of like, like I was saying earlier, like, so I was attracted to like sensational kind of storytelling, like grounded, but like, but but I I love grounded characters inside of a story that gets more and more wild like that goes to wilder and wilder dimensions like I just love movies that keep on piling on top of itself like I like that almost like a like a video game kind of structure like I'm really interested in where it's like the movie just keeps on going to like level to level to level and it just keeps on escalating um, like that's the kind of structure and kind of like pace that I like in movies and that's sort of what a lot of the movies that I grew up watching were kind of like that, where they just kept on getting, even if they were risking being too ridiculous, they didn't care. Like I just, like Australian exploitation movies, I was a big fan of, because those movies just like, for better or for worse, they just kind of like went all the way with everything. And they were just like, kind of can't be concepts, but they were taken very, very seriously with really good acting too. Like they had really great actors and, and they just kind of like went into another dimension by the third act. And like, that's, that's always been the kind of storytelling that I've been really attracted to. Just really like relentless kind of entertainments and just kind of like, it's like movies, you only have a certain amount of time to like give that impact. So it's like, don't waste any minute, just, just jam pack it. Like there are no, like just jam pack it with as much like entertainment as possible. And like people think like, oh, well the final five minutes is really entertaining, but like we gotta get, it's like, just make the most like fun, entertaining, wild experience that you could possibly make, you know, like that's, so I've just been always attracted to like entertainment in movies. Like that's, 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 I think the most important part first and foremost. Yeah. You were saying about how most parents would be worried about their children watching horror. What I was so fascinated by was how nice the people were at Monster Palooza. Oh, yeah. And we've been to a lot of LA film events and I mean, the people were super respectful, not just the staff, I mean the actual horror fans. Oh yeah. So it's interesting. What do you think it is about the horror genre that attracts those fans and and what's sort of the distinction between those and maybe art house cinema fans or well I think well I think I think why people that love horror movies are like very genuine people and very loyal people is because like they're consuming so much like 
darkness, I guess. They're consuming so much like um, extremities inside of horror movies that like that's enough for them where they're like they, 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 they're almost like purging themselves. I think like a lot of like uh, like some of the nicest people like like even like Wes Craven, someone who's like such nice, pleasant people that make these incredibly dark, cynical movies, you know? And like, I think they're, they're getting it out and like whether it's making it or watching it, I think they're um, consuming a lot of that, but I think uh, that's like, that's like their fix that they're getting. It's almost like a drug, I think. That's why I think it kind of dictates their personality a little bit maybe. Um, and then like the people that are like the biggest pricks are the ones that make like the night, like the happiest family movies I feel, I, I've realized, you know, like, but, <laughs> but I mean, the, but yeah, I mean, the, I mean like, but like Art House, I mean like, I mean, I, I love all, I love all sorts of movies. I mean like, but Art House, I mean like the, there is sort of like this really obnoxious um, uh, pretension that like I, I just um, not, I just don't subscribe to. I'm just not, a, um, I'm just like not, uh, I'm just not a fan of it. Um, like, like a lot of, um, you know, just like a lot of people that are very, um, uh, feel like they're almost like above it. Like feel like they're almost like above um, certain kinds of like exploitation movies or certain like, you know, like B movies, um, even though hundred million block dollar blockbuster movies are considered to be B movies these days. I mean, like B movie doesn't even exist anymore. But I mean, like, I, I think uh, a lot of people are just, um, just so snobbish and then like sometimes people think that like I'm a snob with like movies and all that, but it's like I, I'm I'm snobbish about the movies that most people are snobs about not liking. So it's like I, I I can I can be a snob about those kind of movies. I feel you know, but but I mean like just you know it's I I there's so many art house films that I love. I mean like I, I love the art house genre. I mean like you know I think Drive was well, I mean Drive was such an incredible example of like art house and commercial genre working so effortlessly. I thought and. And I thought that movie was just brilliant, and and I was like, it was like it it, it can work really well. I mean, and like because like that's I am sort of attracted. I'm, I'm much more attracted to a film like Drive than perhaps maybe like Fast and the Furious. I mean, like Drive is much more my kind of like action movie, um, because I think it just has like art house can really work inside of genre because like you they they sort of like spread the action out so it's like more impactful. Uh, where whereas like these other movies, they're just like they have almost like too much money, so they're just having like explosion after explosion after explosion. It's just like you know, some of these movies are just like too big. You know, you can't like relate to anything. Um, but yeah, I mean, like, I, I, I don't know. I mean, like the, I, I think horror is like, I mean, it's never gonna go away. I mean, it's not, it's, it's been, I mean, Nosferatu, I mean, it was like 1922. I mean, it was like, it's been, I mean, horror, I mean, horror has like been around since like the dawn of movies almost. And, and, um, and it's, and there, there's a, I mean, it's it's probably the most like it's perhaps like one of the most like like the most profitable genre out there. I mean, like one, certainly one of the most, and like it's it's one of the few genres that truly gets people to a theater um, that do much better in theaters than than like on DVD or like on VOD. I mean, most of them do, I think. And um, and there's just something about um, horror. It's like it's the it's watching something that you're not supposed to be watching. It's like a forbidden sort of. Um, it's almost like um, a roller coaster, kind of like like a like a ride where like you're, it's a, it's a safe ride, but it's still, you know, kind of like can be very like shocking and, 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 and going, going to a haunted house kind of feel to it. And that's why I just think horror movies are just like, there's nothing better than going to see like, just remember when I saw like the remake of like the Hills Have Eyes back in like 2006 and it just like blew my head off. Like I was like, this is like such a ballsy mainstream, you know, big, like hefty budget, movie but like made by this crazy French director that just like was complete like came from these really shocking movies in France and like got the got the job to make one of these like big mainstream or disguise as a mainstream movie but 
but just got away with some very bold stuff in it and watching that movie in a multiplex like it's like you weren't supposed to be watching it like that that's the kind of like I mean, like, Paul Verhoeven's, like, one of my idols, and he did, like, Robocop and Showgirls and all that and Starship Troopers, and and I think he's, um, he's like, a career that I sort of, like, uh, am really fascinated by and sort of, like, almost, like, want to model after sort of, like, as a goal because, like, he, he, what, he, was he, what he was able to do is that, I mean, he was able to, he makes these very mainstream movies um, that, are, that, that are clothed to be very mainstream and all that, but, um, but he's able to, his films are also very politically incorrect. His films are very bold. His films are very, um, uh, I mean, like Starship Troopers is like a hundred million dollar fascist fantasy monster movie. And like, you just get to know everybody in the first hour of the movie. Then he just like mutilates all of them in five minutes. And like, it's just, I mean, like that, that, that kind of like boldness, but inside of like mainstream storytelling. Like, I mean, I think Kingsman, like the first Kingsman that came out a few years ago, I thought that was like, kind of like a throwback to that kind of movie. Cause that movie was like, I love that movie. That was like, like that was a very bold movie on a lot of levels, but it was like eighty million dollar budget, and like some of the things they got away with in that movie, it was like not a typical kind of. It wasn't a hundred percent what they. I mean, it was and it wasn't what they marketed it as, and like when people saw it, there's like certain things in there that were very divisive and very polarizing to people. But overall, it's like a fun movie. But there's like those certain scenes that I'm like, whoa, how do they? That's gonna be a little divisive on some people. Like, like that's like that's always been. I've always been attracted. I've always been attracted to like almost like infiltrating the mainstream. Like, I, I think like that's like what I'm really attracted. Because I love straightforward story. I love mainstream movies. Like, I love commercial kind of movies, but but sort of like injecting, um, a, a, you know, a, a, a boldness inside of it. Because I think like infiltrating the mainstream is when you can like really like do some like damage, you know, like in a good way, you know. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, I think, uh, yeah, I guess that's a... Uh, I, yeah, but but yeah, I mean, like that's yeah, I mean, like those kind of those the the just like you know just sensational kind of movies are, I think, because movies are all about like just like I think entertainment in the beginning, like that's like the first of formers you always have to like entertain, and then if you're hopefully can have like a bold statement underneath it, like that's I think what's always even more attractive to like have a statement that's um, suggesting something about the world that we're living in or like the generation that we're living in right now. I think those are the kind of movies that I think. Um, overall very attracted to films that you know like um like uh, i don't know if you, uh, there was like this uh, film called unfriended that came out in 2000 like the skype horror movie which i remember i know a couple people thought that like it ripped off like another movie but um i i didn't i just was looking at that film and i thought like that was such a brilliant like home run of a movie i mean i know some people didn't like it because like they hate movies that take place on a skype and all that but it's like <laughs> that's the generation we're living in right now so sure. it's like what else are they gonna do i mean like and 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 i just thought it was so I don't think people like realize like how well made that movie was. Like the editing, just the details, because it was all through Skype. And it was like four Skype cameras, and like it was relevant. It was about like this girl that kills herself, and she's like haunting them, and like through the computers, and 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 it was it was relevant about like bullying and 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 teen suicide, but it was also like just also at the same time like this like straight down the middle like eighty four minute teen slasher supernatural slasher film, and and. Um, and it was just like, it was one of the most purest um, teen slasher movies I had uh, ever seen. And like the fact that we're still having, because everyone's trying to be so like overly clever with like horror movies. And, and like, you know, I, I understand that. Like, but sometimes I think if like things are a little too, everyone's trying to be like, um, like Scream or something, you know what I mean? Which is a, you know, extraordinary film. But like, 
But I think everyone's try, always trying to um, do, do, do that again. Like, like they, they're always trying to um, make their movies so, I think, overly smart for their own good sometimes. And, and I just think like, I wish horror films were a little bit more, like I think A24 is brilliant. Like, I mean, A24 like, with like The Witch and Green Room and, and like The Monster and this movie Hereditary coming out in June, which looks incredible. And like, th those are movies that are just like, they're not, they're not really trying to be anything more than they are, but there's still like this like weight behind them that makes them feel like they're bigger than what they are. And, and um, yeah, I just like that sort of like stripped down, simple storytelling. And, and I think A24 is really like excelling at that. And they're not trying to be like overly clever. You know, they're just like have a concept and they just play it so well with like very serious dramatic actors. And, but they're very commercial kind of genre concepts that they play and mo most of them. But yeah, I mean, that's, you know. So in reading your bio, you were an actor mm -hmm. for a while? Yeah, I was, um, I mean, I start like, I started like around since birth, I started with like filmmaking. Like that's what I really wanted to do. I was always making things all the time, just filming everything with this camera that my parents got me all the time. But then eventually I started to, um, uh, because I, I didn't really have, uh, I mean, I had a lot of friends that I was kind of like forced to be in the movie, but they were just not great. And so I felt like, <laughs> okay, well, the only person that cares the most about this is me, so I'm just going to, I'm just gonna put myself in them. And, and I started to put myself in them, and then through that I started to like, get an act for like being, you know, I really like doing comedy. Like I really like kind of um, being like the entertainer, like the funny guy in the room and, and, and uh, doing impressions and just being, you know, sort of like, um, you know, I guess sort of like a Jack Black kind of kind of thing. I, I just really liked uh, kind of over the top kind of like comedic acting um, and just kind of had a very weird sense of humor. Like since grammar school, just had a very, everyone kind of saw the world this way and I kind of saw the world this way and it was just a very, um, I just had a very kind of like off kilter, very bizarre sense of humor and the way I saw the world on a lot of levels. Um, so then, and then like, I, but I didn't like actually start pursuing or like actually getting somewhat serious about acting until I was like a freshman in high school. And then I decided to um, audition for like the, the musical, like they had the, the, my, my high school did like a musical and then a play every year. And, and they did like, they did Hello Dolly that year. And I just, Audition for it and you know and got like a part as like a featured extra as like this like shoemaker part and it was like this like just like a little little gag that I had with this like woman who was like you know super super tall and it was like you know like a fun little visual gag and um, and then and then after that and then the next year I was like okay now I'm actually gonna start auditioning you know for for like both the play and the music I'm gonna take this seriously and I. I, that's, well, I, I, that's right, I didn't audition for the play that year because I ended up playing football that year, which is like the worst mistake I've ever made in my entire life. But, but then I, the following spring, I auditioned for the musical, which was like Anything Goes, and I, like, I, I, I didn't get it, which I was like shocked about that, not even like in the chorus. And I was like really like, I was like really, really upset about that, you know? And, and so I ended up taking acting classes, this, this little um, acting class uh, right outside of my town. And, and then I started like really like, okay, like let, let me like really like hone the, cause that really hit me hard that I didn't get accepted that musical. So I just like wanted to like really like um, take this very seriously. And, and then, then the following year, then I started to like, I guess like get, get you know, the rise to fame like in, in high school and, and started to get like bigger and bigger roles and did like Into the Woods and played the wolf and did like this Barathol Prec play. And, and, did, and, and then my senior year, I did like this play called You Can't Take It With You. And that um, was like a Lionel Barrymore film from 1939. And, and ended up playing his part. I played like the grandpa, and it was it was like you know it was like the star making performance in high school, you know. Like and <laughs> then I I feel like I arrived in high school at that time, and 
and then um and then did the following musical and then after that by that point i was like known is like the actor like no one really everyone knew that i was like obsessed with movies but no one really took me seriously as like a filmmaker um uh just as like an actor mainly that loved movies and um and then after that i studied at the the american academy of dramatic arts in new york for for a few months and that was like a really really intense experience um with the teachers and just a very um you know, it's like you get no like gold stars, no matter what you came from. You enter there, and like they're just very, very brutal on you. Um, and it's, it was a very like political, very cutthroat kind of experience. Um, I mean, good experience overall. I mean, there's some people that I still talk to to this day that I met there. So that was like a, you know, still a wonderful experience in the long run. It really kind of like breaks you down and, and trains you pretty hard uh, for like the real world of everything. And and then after that, I just sort of like hit the grinds. You know, did a lot of black box theater, some plays where you know, quasi-successful, some plays were not at all, but it was just like, you know, constantly, you know, constantly acting, you know, like just chances to act and play different characters. And, um, uh, but I mean, as far as like transitioning to um, this like prestigious acting school in New York that like, you know, Robert Redford went to and Grace Kelly and Dane DeVito, all these guys and Paul Rudd. And um, it was like, you know, cause in high school it's like, I mean, uh, yeah, I remember like my dad was like one of the first people that really like made that reality check to me, um, telling me that like, you know, I mean, like, I, I, you know, it's like, I think it's really great, the stuff you're doing in this, in this school and all that, and like, but, you know, at the end of the day, it's like, you're a big fish in a puddle, you know, and like, that's, and you didn't really use those words, but he might as well have said that, and, um, and then when I transitioned to the acting school, I actually, it, it, it was, I mean, I eventually, you know, because like, I think everyone was like, trying to make their name in that school as well, and I think that was like the, because every, because you go in there, it's like, it's, it's quite intimidating because like everyone is there for the exact same reason. Everyone takes it just as seriously as you. Everyone has, you know, you always think everyone's better than you. Everyone has better looks than you. Everyone's going to be more successful than you. And there's like just constant jealousy and all, all that stuff. And, 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 and a lot of depression, a lot of breakdowns and all this because you never think that you're good enough because you're never being told that ever. Uh, mm -hmm. that, uh, and, and that's not their job to tell you that. Um, and, you know, so it was, but, but you know, I you know, eventually, you know, I, I, kind of found a, a, a loophole to sort of like, um, to, to, you know, to somewhat make a name for myself in that school as well. And, and, and um, I, it was like a theater history presentation that we all had to do in front of the class. And I did like, I just sort of like, um, did like an impression of the actual teacher that taught the class. And like, that was like, that was sort of like the time to like, you know, that, that like what made like a lot of the, students like, like, no, like, I guess know who I was in that school or like, or like, so, you know, not look at me as some like weird quiet kid, you know, cause, but, um, but yeah, so like eventually, so it's, it's all about just like, you know, it's all about just trying to make a name for yourself, like every, every spot you go to and trying to stand out as much as possible and, and trying to find a way, th um, trying to find a loophole to, 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 to get there. Um, uh, and so, I mean, but I mean, like after that, I mean, I was just like doing a lot of, um, uh, acting in, New York City and um, and and a couple of plays upstate New York a little bit and um, and then I think it was like around like twenty I, I started making and like twenty one twenty two I started to like actually start making some shorts I mean they all I mean the first short I made was like this it's on YouTube it's like this movie called Quiet on the Set and it was like sort of like a Christopher Guest kind of like mockumentary type and um, I mean it looks like terrible I mean the production quality is terrible I mean we shot like um, but it's like I mean I I mean like it's you know the first half is a little rougher and they I. I mean, I, I still to this day I think it's pretty funny. I think it's a funny movie, like. But like, but I just like you know, just like got a lot of like actor friends of mine, and like you know, it was like based on this like crazy theater director that I'd worked with who was like just like a nut job, and I just like played a version <laughs> of him, and, and and you know, so like that was like the first movie that I had made from beginning to end, and and then you know I tried to do like these, 
you know, I tried to do like a sketch show on this YouTube channel called like Sun Babies, which is like these like really, it was like very, you know, ordinary situations, like jacked up to extremities. And it was a very like, sort of like inspired by Teletubbies, like that Sun Baby. And like, it was just a very, very weird sense of humor, sort of like eastbound and down kind of humor. And and then that was like not successful at all. And, and, uh, and then made one more short um, and then people started to respond to that one. And then I was like, oh, well, maybe I should like actually pursue, maybe I should just drop acting. Cause I'm, I, I, I feel all these shorts that I'm making, they don't look very good. And like, because I'm putting myself in them and I can't concentrate on like the actual quality of the movie. Cause I'm just doing this for me as an actor. And I didn't really care that, I mean, I tried some little camera tricks and tried to like, you know, try to experiment with some things, but um, I was just so consumed with like the acting part of it. Um, and they were just purely for exposure, but no one was gonna really take them seriously because like they just looked terrible. I mean, the, that Quiet on the Set thing, I mean, I shot that on a VX1000 camera that I got for free at some like internship that I did. And, and, and that was from like 1999, that camera. And this was like 2008, 2009, I was making this thing. And like, and everyone, everyone else was like shooting on like the Red Epics at that time. And like, I was like so bitter that like, you know, my stuff looked like, just looked horrible. And like their stuff at the time looked so polished, you know, and, um, and I just didn't really think that anyone was gonna take me seriously. So I just, um, so it was like 2011 is when I started to um, just decide to like pursue directing, but I didn't want to go to film school at that time. So I just um, just hit up a friend that I went to high school with who was doing a lot of extras coordinating for like Curb Enthusiasm and all these different shows. And, and, um, and she was doing much better than I was at the time. And so I just uh, reached out to her blindly and just um, said, that, you know, is there any opportunity for um, any production system work or anything like that? And, um, and she got me a job uh, as a production assistant uh, on this kind of small, like, a little under a million dollar art film and um, shot all around New York City and upstate New York as well. And like, that was like five weeks, sort of like the whole, that was the first time I really learned like, you know, 14, 15 hour days, sometimes 18 hour days, six days a week. You know, I was, I was, I was you know, um, I was actually living in New Jersey at that time. So I was like taking the train every morning and, oh, wow. and um, desperate that I was gonna miss the last train or whatever. Um, and you know, so like that, that really, that really like trained me a lot to like, cause they put me in the grip department, they put me in the camera department, like really learning how movies were made. Um, and then after that, I just like did a lot of freelancing on a lot of other uh, sets as well and did a lot of production assisting throughout New York. And then, and then I met a friend, I met someone on one of the sets who was interested in producing and he had a camera and, and I, we were big movie buffs and, and I was interested in making this, uh, I wanted to make my first like proper short film. And it was like this, um, uh, short, it was like this black and white, sort of like neo-noir, uh, sort of kind of like Blood Simple a little bit. It was, um, it was about like three uh, simultaneous stories that are taking place at this tavern in New Jersey. And, and, um, and you know, that was like the first proper short that I made. Um, and that's like what really kind of like taught me how to like tr properly make a film. I was working with like a real cinematographer and all these like kind of like a lot of these students from the, the Art Institute of New York City that I was meeting with and, and they kind of, it was a lot of people from that, from that school and, um, and then, and then I finished that and like a week later I just like drove out to LA and like, you know, I had no plan. I mean like, uh, I just, uh, I, I had been talking about moving to LA for years and like all the way back to like 2008 I was talking about moving out there and just like every year I was constantly finding an excuse to hold me back and, and, um, and, but then I was just like, you know, I just got to like just bite the bullet and just do it and and um and yeah and I had that short film sort of like a calling card a little bit and you know that I played at like a college film festival it sort of like snuck that in because I didn't go to that college and I met a lot of people through that school and some people I still work with to this day and and there were a lot of like up-and-coming DPs and camera people and editors and all that and and then just like over the, and then over the next like 
three years or so, I was just like networking a lot, just make, just cranking out as many, just being as creative as possible every year and just showing my stuff to more and more people. And, uh, you know, and then eventually I made, um, uh, my, my, uh, that, uh, my first feature drifter, um, uh, maybe in 2015. Um, and I was like, I just made that movie. I was just like in a very, like, I was just in a very like gruesome state of mind of just, I was getting very aggravated that like every short I was making just was going, they just, they just weren't uh, getting me to where I wanted them to be. And, and, um, but they were, tra they were training me so much and they were like really, um, making me, um, learn about like what it was I'd offer to movies, like what my aesthetic was. And I learned how to like, you know, what my point of view on the world was and like the thematics that I, that I liked and the kind of tone that I liked. And, and, and then with Drifter, I just, um, I just made that movie out of pure like frustration and, and a lot of extreme, um, anger towards just, I was, I was very like, like self-hating and very like, just really just, I, I just, just, there was a lot of like hate in my, my brain all the time during that time. I was, it was a very like, um, very like, uh, upsetting state of mind that I was in. I just didn't like that feeling. So I thought like, well, I think the only way to sort of get out of this feeling is sort of like just translate it cinematically and, um, sort of get all that nihilism and all that, um, sort of almost like purging myself and sort of like almost like a form of like therapy and, and, uh, making, making like, the, <laughs> making like the angriest movie I could possibly make. And, and, um, and almost, uh, like that movie was almost, um, like I, like the intent, I mean, this sounds really obnoxious to say this, but like the intention of that movie, I was like, tr I was like trying to hurt the audience. Like I was trying to like, like I was trying to like, Phys like I, I, I wanted to be, I wanted to be like a, like, 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 a, like, a, like a very uncomfortable, painful experience. Like I wanted to almost be like, not like a typical movie. Like I want, I want it to be like this, um, just sort of like thing, like this relentless thing that's keep, that's constantly trying to like attack. Like that's like, like an assault on all senses. Um, and, and like that, that was like the intention. And like, it was, it was very much like exercise, like exercising a lot of, um, you know, demons and, and, you know, some people have called it like, like a cold exercise in violence. And, 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 and I, I think that I, that's, I don't, I don't think that's incorrect. I mean, I think it kind of was, I mean, it, it was that particular movie was very much like, um, the point of view was just like, let, let, let's just completely remove like any sort of ounce of, cause it's a very, that, that movie was intended to be a, like, sort of like this really messed up sort of like soulless kind of experience where it was like, I'm just, uh, just reflecting, the extremities of like the society that we're living in and it was a very pessimistic i mean i remember like one review said it was like 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 this weird zeit like relevance as being this like weird zeitgeist for like the american despair and pessimism and i was like wow that's it's pretty like that's pretty that's pretty interesting you know i mean like that's because i can't I, that person's not true i mean looking back at it now it's like that that was maybe it was very i wasn't specifically thinking about that when i was making because i was just consumed in just making the movie itself but like that was definitely in the back of my head because i was just a very um I was an extremely pessimistic person when I was making that movie. It was like not healthy at all. And, um, and so I just had to like get that out of my system because I, I, I just, you know, I just, I just, I just wanted to get that movie out of my system so I don't have to um, make that kind of movie again because I, that, I'm, you know, I, I'm proud of uh, things about that movie, but like, I mean, it, it also kind of like, it, all, it almost sometimes like troubles me when I watch it because I, I, I know what my mind was when I was making it and I, I just, I don't really like that person that was that, that was doing that because that just wasn't a very um that wasn't a very like healthy state of mind and that's not it's not really like I, I just don't want to make a film that nihilistic again you know <laughs> like that's but but I think that was just the time to do that you know if I was gonna do it I'd it was just I just wanted to make a very anxious movie like just something that was just like 
you know, like pay attention to me. Like that's like that's sort of that was like the intention of just like just trying to be like the loudest, most brashest, you know, just most like aggressive movie um, that I could possibly uh, uh, make at that time. And, and um, so like, that was always the intention. But yeah. Well, I like what you said about how you, when you watch Drifter, you see that's who you were at that time, and maybe whether it makes you uncomfortable or not. You, you see who you were and what you were going through, what you were trying to intend the audience to feel. And you hear it with bands, like like let's say U2. Their first two albums, very angry, excellent albums, but different from newer ones where, you know, life is maybe a little better, mm -hmm. money's more plentiful. Mm -hmm. So so I think people are in a different state of mind. Yeah. But but I get it. I was watching this um, talk show with Wes Craven, and I think it was from like 1988. Oh my God. And it had some of the commercials still playing oh, yeah. from that time. And this was from like a talk show that I watched as a little girl. And yeah. I was like, wow, even the tone of the commercials were more upbeat. The music, yeah. everything was different. So the tonality of the world was different then. Yeah. So I think we, we reflect what, you know, and if you're saying 2015, people have come out of the recession. Yeah. It was a tough time for everybody, especially millennials, because jobs were not what, you know, it, it was a tough time for everybody. Yeah. So I get that you could have felt that. It was, it was an angry time for a lot of people. Yeah, and, I mean, mm -hmm. I, I think I was just uh, like really attracted to, um, you know, exposing just like the ugliness of humanity and just like the flip side of things, you know, like mm -hmm. sort of Brady Ellis kind of like, you know, I mean, how he would, like when he wrote like Rules of Attraction and American Psycho and all these like, he was much more attracted to like the, 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 the flaws in people. And I think, um, and I'm, you know, I, I, I think the one thing that I am very attracted to is very kind of like a, a common thing that no matter how mainstream uh, I would want to dabble in, like I am very interested in like very flawed people and like very flawed characters against even more flawed characters and sort of like um, um, kind of like, you know, somewhat cynical outlook on the world, but like in a fun, in a fun, exciting way, like not like in a, you know, in a kind of like a witty, entertaining kind of way. And, and um, but I, I think I'm getting better about about approaching it and, and doing the same kind of intention but doing it a little bit more i mean lighter is not the best kind of word just a little bit more like audience friendly uh but still having that same kind of outlook you know because i don't want to i don't want to lose that kind of outlook because i think that's what what makes um you know my stuff kind of like you know specific but um but just doing it a little bit more like you know a little bit more something that like maybe my mom would enjoy you know i mean drifter's not her kind of movie like she's She's yeah. not her kind of movie, you know, but, you know. With Drifter, um, I'm not sure if you're able to talk about the budget and, and some of that, but I was curious about how you did the location scouting because you talked about the desert yeah. and how you were very intrigued by the desert. And I know the desert's always intrigued me. There's something frightening about it and then there's yeah. something very mysterious and ethereal about it because you could kind of get lost in there and there's all these sort of interesting drifters and, you know, there, there really are. I mean, yeah. Uh, and, and you kind of wonder what their, their background is. So what is it about the desert and how did you find that location? Uh, well, I guess like the budget thing, well, like, we shot the movie for like uh, 40,000, like it was like under 50 grand. So like, uh, but like, but we shot a, a lot of, um, uh, I shot some, I shot a couple shorts like in Lancaster area and Palmdale. Like, so I kind of like, was a little familiar with that area. Um, and Drifter was sort of like the first time to really embrace my like fascination with the desert. Cause I've been really fascinated by it for a couple of years. And cause I love stories about isolation. Um, and, and yeah, I mean, like, it was just like, you know, just getting old before your time and just like burning so much gas money, just driving out to the outskirts of, cause you know, there was no location manager or anything. There was like, you know, it was very skeleton crew, like the bare bones operation with the movie and like, and just drive and, 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 the, but the kicking off point was like my cinematographer had known about, the, um, 
the town like that was in Bombay Beach and um you know, which you know, like the the Bad Batch, the the movie of Keanu Reeves shot there a couple years ago. Like a few, they had wrapped filming a few months before we arrived. Um, uh, so they had, a, but I think mostly they do like photo shoots and commercials there, and um, they don't do that many features. Maybe they're starting to, but uh, but we, you know, like that was like, you know, like we like that was the kicking off point to write a script around access to that town, and then um, uh, and then just driving around all over the place to find to find. Um, it was actually really. Since there was no location manager, and that movie was so, um, it was so much. That movie is so much driven by the set pieces that, like, the locations need need. They were paramount in that story, and like, if the locations just didn't fit, that movie was going to get laughed off the screen. And like, and I've seen a lot of like really low budget post or micro budget post post apocalyptic stories, and like, shooting in like Vasquez Rocks and like Valencia. It's like <laughs> I mean, we see like tourists in the back. You know, it's like I, I want to shoot at places that like no one shoots at. You know, like. Uh-huh. Hit, like forbidden places almost and devil's punch bowl yeah I mean yeah, like I love that stuff you yeah, know? I mean I wanted to go all the way to like Death Valley but it was way too far and um but I mean yeah I mean just like finding all these like different places and um yeah it was like it was a I mean we were in pre-production for a long time because I just like there was like you know very very small you know uh, crew so it's like I, I could I needed I needed time to get all that stuff you know and uh, and, and the locations were like the major thing that was probably the most like you, you know you don't want to break the bank but you don't you want to make sure the locations are as cinematic as you can get so it was like a lot of like you know negotiating and and shooting you know in random spots all over the place and um and uh but yeah it was mainly yeah it was like all around like lancaster joshua tree bombay beach victorville like all those and we shot a little in la and like um shot like inside this like haunted house which was a uh, oddly enough like right around the corner where i lived it was like i've been trying to find that location for like for ever and like mm-hmm. i'd gone all these houses that were like they're they were like normal just normal they like you know they're just normal houses you know and then they were not was not at all like i was trying to look for like like a haunted kind of manner like like the tales in the crypt kind of house or something you know like and you know and, and i was shocked that we were able to get the house that we got because the, the guy was just like a super nice guy and just totally hooked us up with a great deal on it and um and uh, and it was just like when I saw that house, I was like, because I just get so obsessive. I love locations, and I, I love like the bigger the better. And like you know, I just and like seeing that house, I was like, and the fact that it was right around the corner, like right under my nose, this wow. entire time for like months, I was trying to find that place. And when I saw this place, I was like, this is the this is per, it has literally everything we needed. All the rooms, like they had extra furniture. I mean, like literally everything we needed was there. It was like. It was almost like too. It was very odd. It was it just like it was like destiny. It was really really great, but yeah. I mean the locations. That's like one of the major like that's like the one of the major things that I'm very very like uh, stubborn about in pre-production because you know it dictates the quality of the movie and like um, and if you I've seen films with like really like crappy locations and they're just like why would you ever use that and and so I think um, you know I mean you don't want to be like you got to be you know, realistic um, at a certain point. Um, but, but you know, you, you don't, there's, I, I think there's a difference between being realistic and like settling. Like you don't want to like set, I mean, you, 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 you really want to make sure that you can get like the, the best location you can possibly get. I mean, like, I, I think a lot of people just sort of like, nah, it's fine, let's just shoot there. It's totally cool. We'll just shoot around it. And like, you know, I just, I just locations are so, so important so important uh, i mean if you're making a cinematic kind of story it's like they're they're very very important because they just like 
you know, I mean, it just, it just dictates so many things, you know. How did you deal with the wind and the heat? And also, too, I don't know how close were any, any types of stores or whatever. Like, so how are you dealing with the remote location and some of the elements? I mean, like, well, uh, well we, shot the, we, we shot like two filming blocks in July and August of 2015. In July, we were shooting a lot of night stuff in Lancaster and oh, Victorville area, and it was like freezing. Yeah, yeah it was free. We had this like one girl that was like, she was like covered in fake blood for like hours that night, and she was just like, shivering the entire like her teeth oh, yeah. were chattering the entire time it was like it was rough but like um but um uh, but yeah but but that wasn't that was no nothing compared to when we shot in the town because the the film commission i remember like meeting with them they were like laughing at us because we were shooting in august like they were like even that movie like even that uh, i think yeah, uh, that other movie i was talking about like they they didn't they, they filmed in like april like and and even then it's hot out there and it, it doesn't start to cool until october and we couldn't push to october i just wasn't going to be one of these guys that like shoots you know on the weekend and months later shoots again i just too impatient for that and um and uh so yeah i mean uh, we shot like in the thick of the august like literally the worst time that you're supposed to be filming there and uh i remember there was like we were so cautious if we could like afford a medic to come out because we needed a medic to come out but we were nervous about if we could afford and then we finally did get one to come out and and there were yeah there were a couple of people that almost like um uh, there were a couple of moments that people almost passed out and like it was just uh i mean like it, it was it was a very it, it was just very intense it was like the, 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 i had never felt heat like that before i mean i remember when we first arrived everyone was like having a great time like driving out there and then like the moment <laughs> we first arrived people like couldn't breathe when they yeah. stepped out of the car and because like the moment we arrived we went right into filming um and and like people were just like already like feeling mm -hmm. it, and we had like four more, much more ambitious days after that. So it was like, I think the hottest it got was probably 120, I think. Like, and and it was like the the biggest day too. That it was like the hottest day as well. It was the most ambitious day, and like, but I think you know, looking back at it, um, I think it really dictated like people's performances. Like I think it really, the freezing cold and the scorching heat. I think that really influences people, influence people's performances because they really like all that sweat's all real. I mean, all that. You know, I mean, just all like the sunburn and all that, all that, all that stuff's real. And, and um, so, I mean, like that, that, that's, you know, cause I, you know, I, I, I just love the stories of like the original Texas Chainsaw Massacre, how it was like scorching heat and just like such a nasty atmosphere and world that they were filming or locations they were filming. And so like, kind of like, you don't want to touch anything. And, but it just like, you look at the film and it's like, yeah, it, it, it lends itself very well to it, you know, but yeah. Chris, I wanted to hear about you taking this week-long drive across. Yeah, it was like four or five days, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So you said you didn't totally plan it out to come to L.A.? You'd been thinking about it for a long time, or? Yeah, no, I've been thinking about it since, I mean, like, since I graduated high school. I mean, mm -hmm. like, I had been wanting to move out there for acting at the time, and, um, and then, yeah, but, like, I mean, at a certain point, I was like, you know what, I think I've done all I can do in New York. Like, I mean, I, I, I was hardcore wanting to pursue filmmaking at that time, and, New York just wasn't, you know, it was so theater driven, you know, and I love theater. I love like Broadway and all that. I love that stuff. And I wanted to be like an actor on stage for a long time. But, but with, as far as like the film business, I mean, like, you know, there's a lot of stuff that film out to shoot out there, but like, you know, LA is just like, you know, it's just, a, it, this is like, it's like the capital of, the capital of movies. You know, it's like, it's just like the, um, and so I just, uh, I, you know, I just thought like, you know, I just, I just gotta stop I just got to do it, you know, and, and, um, and 
Yeah, I mean, like it, it, it really, you know, it's a very. I mean, I, 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 I recommend it to a lot. I mean, a lot of people like kind of like fly their cars out or something, and you know, like I mean, I, I, I you drove. I, no, yeah, on. yeah. I mean, like I, I, I like through like Oklahoma and like New Mexico and stayed at, you know, stayed, you know, these like really like cheap motels and these like weird like you know, That's I awesome. got you know all these Scottsdale, Arizona. I mean, got to like see all these places and. Um, Did you and, see real life drifters? Sorry. Uh, prob- probably. I mean, it was like 2012. I mean. I'm sure. I mean, I, I, I came across some weird people, yeah. I mean, just in different just corners of the town. And like, it was just, but yeah, I mean, no, I, I, I definitely recommend it. I mean, I, 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 I love the experience. I mean, it was a very, um, I mean, I hated like pulling over for gas or like pulling over to like use the restroom because I just love to keep moving, going. And, and, um, and but yeah, no, it was, it was a really like very transcending, very like therapeutic experience because, you know, you're just not thinking about what's ahead of you just yet. You're not, you don't think about the past at all and, and um it's such like in the moment kind of thing and and um yeah i mean it was it, yeah it was it was great i, I was like it was one of the best experiences of my life driving out to la actually yeah i loved it it was just like totally you know you're just not thinking about anything at that time it's like one of those rare moments where you just like you know there's nothing to really hardcore think about just yet like in, in that in that very tiny amount of time and you're just sort of like going moment to moment and and then then you move to LA and then you're like oh god now we gotta like get back to you know reality you know and and like you know, and then it gets like gruesome but but uh, but like that yeah but like that 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 brief amount of time was great you know I loved it you know. were there things leading up to that moment when you said okay I think now is the time you were 24 I mean, you said yeah I, mean, I, th- I think making I think making that short probably and then like then when I got the I think I I remember I was thinking about I was like am I gonna should I not make this short and just moved out to LA blindly. Or should I wait a few more months, make this short, and then move out to LA? And like that, that felt like the best bet to do something like that because I didn't want to go out there with literally nothing. Um, and so I just like made the short, and and um, and then you know uh, so we I screened it at this place called the Producers Club in New York City, which is like on Forty Fourth Street. It's like a little black box. They do a lot of like rehearsals and plays there, and but they also do some like screenings and like they have like a projector that you can get and all that. And, you know, like, I mean, like 70 people came to it. So it was really, you know, it was a nice little turnout for that movie. And like, they responded to it very well. And um, um, so it was it, it, like that kind of boosted up your confidence. And then you go to LA and your all your confidence and your ego is just shattered with, within minutes. So like- <laughs> Every day when yeah, every, every Every day, it's just constantly <laughs> cutthroat and brutal. But like, I mean, but yeah, I mean, like it was, yeah, I mean, I mean, I, I, yeah, I think, I think, yeah, I think it was good to have like that short film, like in the, in my, back pocket to because that helped me like meet other people for later for other shorts and to because that they like they could take me somewhat seriously that I that I that I that I'm not a total idiot that I can make movies you know and and um and then I just started to make more and more shorts with more and more people that I was meeting out here and um you know just honing the craft and and and, and learning um you know just about the nuts and bolts of movies and you know yeah was there a moment that you thought about turning the car around? Um, no, no. It was it was it was a pretty like it was a pretty like just like straight shoot. Just like there's no turning back. I mean, like because I, I I just I don't know. I mean, I was just I was just in that point in my life where it's like there's nothing there's there's just nothing more for me to do out in New York. I mean, there's just like nothing. Like I know what I want to do right now. Like I know this new path I want to take, and New York's just not going to do it for me. You know, and. Um, and if I if I'm serious about this, if I'm serious about pursuing uh, directing and, and wanting to be a writer director, then I then I have to uh, I have to move to Los Angeles. And I remember the first 
one of the first things I went to when I moved out to LA, I went to like the screening of Slither, which was like James, James Gunn's movie, like one of his like early movies. And they played it, I went to the Arrow Theater, it was the first time I went there and, and James Gunn was there for a Q&A. Oh, wow. The first thing that came out of his mouth was like, you have to move to Los Angeles. And I was like, well, it's been validated. Now I feel, now I feel good about this, you know, but, <laughs> but um, yeah, no, I mean like, yeah, I mean like, I know a lot of some people like, you know, live in Toronto and trying to like do film in New York and all that. And, and there's, I guess, work all over the place. And, but, but I mean, LA is just like the heart and soul of all of it. And it's just so much more convenient for everything. And um, yeah, like all the deals are made out here. And it's just like, you know, it's, everyone's like in sync. I mean, it is like a bubble, but like it's, you know, it's, it's, it's good to be part of that bubble, I think. Uh, yeah. I was wondering if we could talk about short films for a moment. And you talked about how you made your first short film. And when you look back at it now, there's things that you're really proud about it. And, yeah. and, and some, some of the misconceptions some of these filmmakers have about short films, and it's just your opinion, I get it, mm -hmm. it's not law, but you, know, you had some opinions about it and I would love to hear about it. Yeah, I mean, like, you know, I understand that like a lot of people, um, you know, are very sort of like anti-short films that they want to, um, you know, I get this, I hear these people saying like, you know, no one cares about short films and all that. And like, you know, I mean, I mean, there's an Academy Award for short films. I mean, like, obviously some people care about them, but like, I mean, but I mean, like, I, I, I get what they're saying um, that feature films, I mean, I mean, like that makes sense. I mean, I was making shorts for years and none of them were going anywhere then boom I make a feature and then again it's like you know it gets a lot of exposure and all that stuff so I, there, there is I understand that but um, but I, I wouldn't have been able to uh, approach the feature the way I did if, if it wasn't for all those shorts that I was making and so I think like short films for me I started to realize over the years that they're not at all about getting representation through those or, or getting a big movie out of those I mean like that that would there was a time that 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 happened I still am shocked when people make like one five minute short that goes viral and they get like a $20 million movie. <laughs> like, I just don't really understand that at all. Um, I think you really need to earn your stripes a little bit. Um, and, but uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think shorts are much more just about like, like sculpting your aesthetic and learning how to tell a story and working with actors and working with like truncated schedules and and just uh, just understanding how movies are made before you jump into a feature, because like making a feature versus making a short, I mean, it, it's it really is night and day, actually. I mean, it's such a completely different experience. Like you need to you need to get those like warm up periods and like and 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 maybe make shorts that are like you know five minutes, then ten minutes, then maybe a twenty minute short, like getting a little bit closer to you know stretching out a story a little bit more. And um, but yeah, I mean, I think like I don't know. I mean, I've just. Um, you know, everyone has their theories on things and, and I, I don't want to like knock anything down, but uh, I just don't, I think when people say, I don't, get, I don't care about shorts, I, I just, I just want to, I just graduated film school, I just want to make a feature right now. Like that's, I hear that a lot from people and, and um, or people just want to make just one short and then jump into a feature. And like, I, I feel like, yeah, I remember like Ryan Johnson said something who did like the newest Star Wars movie and, and he was like saying, make like, 30 short films if you can like m make as many mistakes as because that's that's probably the biggest thing like because i think making movies is always like just sort of like success training experiment mess up a lot you know just and, and, and you know always go for like the more like you know ambitious projects always try to like you know approach you know something that's hard you know and i think a lot of people get so cautious about them I, I think they're they're so afraid of failure i think they're so afraid of um they're so terrified of like making a movie that's maybe um, a little too dense or a little too challenging for them to 
uh, approach in a you know short schedule or like no money or something. And but like I, I don't know. I've always because like I mean yeah, if you make something that's like super and and you and you, you and you, maybe you maybe you do totally fail. But it's like I would rather make something that's you know ambitious and I and it challenged me so much and trained me for like the next movies and perhaps maybe like fail at it than make something that's so like just two people talking to each other and just such a you know kind of like a kind of an easy movie just because it's more economically realistic maybe um but that's i don't think that's gonna like train you like you know i'm you know i think i i think they can train you on a somewhat of a level but i think um i i think i think if you can if you can do something really ambitious in a very short schedule on a very tight budget like like someone like robert rodriguez or like you know john carpenter like i mean or edgar wright even i mean like those are like those are like the guys that that I like look up to. They're like they're kind of a. I mean, I understand like Rob Rodriguez and Jack Carpenter score their own music and do a lot of their own stuff. But it's like, but their mentality about always going for like the more ambitious project and making a just creating a bunch, you know. Because I mean, John Carpenter made so many short films before he made like Dark Star, and then Rob Rodriguez made so many short films before he made El Mariachi. And and I, I just think like short films are very important to do because I think if you completely neglect them, you're just like, I almost think it's sort of like. I don't know. I, I think it's, you know, somewhat disrespectful. I think to to like movie making because like, what makes you think you're so good to just jump into a feature right away? It's like I mean, I mean, Scorsese made so many shorts even before like Who's That Knocking on My Door? I mean, like, so I mean, I yeah, I'm I'm a very much like pro pro short films and then make as many as possible and just really just screw up as much as possible like make as many mistakes as possible you know because it's because one day you might make that movie where everything just clicks and like but you're not gonna be able to make that movie until you make those previous movies that you learn from all those mistakes and and that's like yeah I, yeah i just I, I just i just just don't overthink things just keep keep creating keep making making stuff you know you said something really interesting and that was shooting two people talking is one thing, but in terms of you may not really grow from that, what do you think is tougher, adding more actors to the production or sort of a location that's out in the public arena and there's no telling what could happen? Uh, Sometimes more people make things much more complicated. Oh, yeah, <laughs> yes it does, very much. I mean, it, like getting all that coverage and all those personalities and, and all sure. those sort of and making sure that you're getting enough coverage to tell the story with all those people moving around. I mean, like Drifter and this last, this recent feature, like they were both ensemble casts and this recent one much more so. And like that, that was like, you know, that, I mean, like it's, you know, it's, 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 you know, it's, 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 you know, it's, it's tough, you know, it's, it's, it's tough, tricky getting all that coverage. Like, you know, you just gotta like, I mean, you just gotta cast well and you just gotta like almost like just put, but, yeah, I mean, I, think, I remember like John Carpenter said something like when he was like shooting the thing because I had such an ensemble cast and a lot of people on screen at once. He was like, just put the camera in the middle and just kind of like go clock like clockwork, you know, and then just get that person, get that person, get that, you know, like. And, and but if you're like outside the circle, you're like completely screwed. So it's like that was like a nice thing to. But um, yeah, but I think shooting in a public place, I think yeah, I mean like that. It's like, yeah, it's the worst when you don't have like permits or something or like blocking off streets are doing you're not allowed to do lockups of people i mean like i mean like making making a movie is like i mean it's a nightmare i mean it's like it's just i mean there's so many you know it's like there's so many i mean there's so, there's so many things i mean and whenever a movie gets made and it's actually good like it's like it's it's a miracle 
honestly, because like there's so, because people watch like the most simplistic thing about a movie, they just see the finished product. But it's like, you see, I, I, I watch, you know, I try to watch as many documentaries about the making of movies. Like I just go through like as many making of featurettes as I can, just to like see what these guys were going through or the, what these women were going through making these movies. And, and like, just, you know, it's, it's, I mean, it's like this, you know, it's like every, everything goes wrong like all the time. And like that, but that's like, that's the job. And like, you know, that's, um, it's designed to be very, very difficult. And, um, but, but at the end of the day, it's like, you're making a movie. It's like the, the coolest thing in the world. You're creating a world, you know? It's like you're creating an artificial universe. And so I think like, but that's the, but in order to design make-believe, it's like, you know, you, you know, you gotta eat, you know, eat some, eat some, you know, concrete a little bit, you know, and like that, but that's, that's, that's all part of it. I mean, making movies is like from pre-production to filming it, to post-production, you know, it's like, I mean, I'm just like, I go through like extreme depression throughout all segments because like you just care about it more than anything in the world and you just want it to be the greatest thing in the world or, or the best movie you know how to make at that time. And it just means everything to you. So it's like throughout pre-production, filming and post-production, you know, at least for my person, I'm, I'm always extremely like very um, depressed of myself because I'm just trying to um, uh, just, just, trying my hardest to uh, get what's inside my head on screen. And, uh, and you're just battling so, so many, so many things just fighting against you. But it's like, but at the end of the day, it's just like the only thing that truly matters. It's like what's inside the frame. You know, it's like everything around the frame, no one gives, no one cares about at all. Like when they watch the movie. So it's like, I think that should always be in the back of your head. Cause I think so many people, I feel like focus more on what's going on around the frame. They like the presentation of being a director that they forget what they're actually photographing. And, and, um, and yeah, I think it's always about like what's inside the frame and nothing else matters. And, and um, so it's like that just like extreme focus, you know, on that director's monitor and or, or, around the scene. And, you know, I mean, like, I think like, you know, like Stanley Kubrick said, described filmmaking, which I think is so on the money. Like he described filmmaking saying like, it's like reading War and Peace while in bumper cars or whatever. <laughs> and I was like, that's, that's, yeah, I mean, that's pretty much what it is. It's just like trying to be so focused with like all these explosions going on around you. And, um, but, but that's like, you know, that, but filming's my favorite part, if anything. I mean, a lot of people find editing their favorite part. Filming's my favorite part. Cause I, I think my energy translates more to filming. Cause like editing, you're like sitting down. It's like a lot of sitting, you know, you're sort of like just, you know, it's the last chance to save the movie. And you're so, you know, it's just you and the editor and, uh, and then you and the composer and all that. But with filming it's like I love multitasking I love like I love communicating to multiple people at once and, and I because I just I'm such an anxious impatient person that I just love to like just constantly be moving 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 you know like moving forward all the time and and um that's why I, I you know that's you know that's um you know like that some you know sometimes having a truncated or a very tight schedule I think uh, lends itself well to you because you know uh I think perhaps maybe if you have a really long schedule, you might, people might get lazy or something because they think, oh, I'll just shoot it tomorrow. You know, it's like, but it's like, I think it's very, sometimes very good. Um, to, I mean, you don't want a super short schedule, but like, but like, I think like the, the right balance of time where it's like tight, but it's not super tight where it's like, you know, I think like, you know, like 25 days or something. That's like, I think that's like the ideal or like 30 days or something like that's like an ideal schedule for movies. But, um, I think, or maybe even 40, I don't know, but, but, um, yeah. The
It's almost like a game of some sort. Not like Jenga, but you know, you're 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 trying to keep something that wants to fall apart. Yeah. And every moment you're trying to keep it not from falling apart and seeing uh, ahead. Oh yeah. No. I mean like it's like the moment I mean, because I, I mean, I, I usually like see the finished product before we even start making the movie. I mean, I know exactly like what this movie is going to be by the end of it. Like, but just getting there could be like climbing Mount Everest. But like, you know, you just know, you, you see exactly, you hear them, you know exactly what this movie is going to be. So it's like, there's so many, there's so much chaos that goes on, a, especially like a low budget film with like a short schedule. There's so much, it just lends, and a very ambitious kind of material and all that, it lends itself to uh, absolute chaos. Um, just too many people on set, just too, too, just too many explosions. And like, but I think amidst, you know, amidst all this chaos, like you have to always remember that like you still need to make a good movie. Like that's, no one, no one cares about like, no, no one who's gonna pay to watch your movie is going, is, is, is gonna care at all about the chaos that was going on on that day. And, and like, you just have to understand that like, the, the, like you, you still you need to make a good movie at the end. That's always the end goal. And like, despite all this craziness going on, you just and it, and I think like sometimes when all this chaos is going on, it challenge it, it really shows how much you want to make movies because it like because when you feel like you're completely all alone in the situation and like all these like crazy things and you're the only one that cares about this movie the most, like you need to um, just like have this such like it really trains your extreme focus and how truly focused you can be and. Um, and yeah, but I think like, I think every filmmaker needs to sort of like go through those kind of movies, like super low budget and, and very truncated schedule and ambitious kind of story. Because I think like, that's the only way you're gonna like truly learn how to make like big movies and like really learn how like things work. You, just, you really gotta like get a baptism by fire situation, sort of like get thrown into like the jungle, you know, and just, just you, got, you gotta go like both feet in or not at all. You know, you just gotta, you just gotta do it. And, and you know, every morning, you know, you're not, really perky every morning you wake up. Sometimes you want to shoot yourself in the face when you wake up, you know, it's like, and, and but you just gotta, you know, just gotta put on, put on an, an, uh, put on an act and just, uh, and boost morale and just keep on wanting to um, remind people that you want to make like an awesome movie at the end of the day. And, and despite all this crap going on, like you still want to make an awesome movie, you know? And, and if you keep that mentality up, it's like, you know, people will still keep moving forward and still keep wanting to make this great despite all the chaos going on as long as you're as long as the director is like super super focused and like want constantly reminding people that you want to make something great and show your passion every day you know they'll they'll you know they'll rise to the occasion and they'll, and they'll keep going with you, you know? how important was it to you to make a feature film before you turned 30. um yeah no i mean it was it was very important i mean like um i mean i've been wanting to make a feature like at at like at nineteen, I was trying to make a feature. At um, twenty two, twenty three, I was trying to make a feature. They're all different movies. And then at twenty, yeah, at twenty four, I was trying to make another feature. Um, then then twenty five, I spent a year trying to, and that that was that one got the furthest. Um, and you know, we had a sizzle reel that we shot. We had a pitch package. We had like a business plan. We had. A script, you know, we had a, a lot of like just a lot of stuff packaged for that movie, but you know, like that, we we had people come on and they would fall off, and we, we just couldn't get, you know, it was like a two hundred thousand dollar kind, you know, it, was like, it probably needed like around like two hundred thousand dollars. There was like twenty five locations, a lot of them were interior. It was like another desert movie, and I think I took a lot of that stuff and put it inside of Drifter, like a lot of the thematic stuff of that movie, and just made it Drifter a little bit more cheaper and a little bit more accessible, and um, 
Um, but, but yeah, I mean, I spent like a year on that movie throughout 2013 and, um, and you know, I, you know, a lot of people, you know, some people responded to the script, some people didn't, um, some people just didn't get it. Um, you know, cause it wasn't very like plot heavy. It was very, uh, it was very like sort of like uh, character driven story. Like this, this really kind of like whacked out cross country story. Um, sort of like goes from like California to Texas and like, um, um, and you know, I, I, I think, uh, you know, it's just, you know, it's just, we, we just, at a certain point I was just like, I, yeah, I, 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 I gotta, I gotta, I gotta drop this one. And then I made a couple shorts out of frustration to be creatively stimulated. And then, and then, you know, it was like 27. That's like when I decided to make a, uh, just jump into it with Drifter. And I was like, just set the dates. I was like, got locked in dates. I was like, I'm just going to just ban this thing out and just, uh, just, 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 you know, at least I can have a movie with a feature film runtime. You know, it's like I can at least have a feature under my belt. You know, you know, it might not be amazing, but I have a feature technically. So it's like, that's, that, that's, that was just very, very important to me to, to make a feature film as soon as possible, you know, and, and uh, but it's like, there's always, there's always someone out there that made that feature before you or something, you know, it's like, you know, Soderbergh was like 25 or 26, and like, you know, Scorsese was 26, you know, it's like, there's always, you know, there's always someone out there like beat you to the punch or something, but, but you know, like that, I, I think, well, you know, because I spent a lot of time acting, so it's like, and I, I just, I was focusing on that for a while, and then, um, but yeah, no, it was, it was very, very important for me to make, you know, it, yeah, to, to make a feature like before I was 30, very important to me. Did you crowdfund for Drifter? Uh -huh. Um, yeah, yeah, we tried. Uh, what, oh, what I, happened? I mean, it just, it just wasn't, you know, it just wasn't successful at all. We just, it was like a embarrassingly unsuccessful, but it was just like, you know, I, I realized like, I mean, like it just wasn't the kind of movie that, um, and I mean, I'll never do that stuff ever again. I mean, I kind of felt really bad about even starting that campaign. I just didn't feel like that movie lent itself to that kind of campaign very well. Cause it was just, all I was trying to make was like just a really psychologically like disturbing cannibal movie and like, and, and that's not what, and we didn't have any hook. Like, I mean, some of the people were like familiar with a couple shorts that I made, but like we didn't, we didn't have any hook. Like we didn't, we didn't have like a big genre actor attached. We didn't, uh, it wasn't based on like a video game or like a graphic novel or anything. Um, it was just like, just was what it was. And, um, and you know, there was just no hook to it. And, um, and, and so I think like that, so, so it just ended up being like, just like a lot of like, you know, there were some like side, you know, nice uh, donators and all that but like you know a lot of it was personal sacrifice um you know just uh which you know i mean i don't i don't know if i recommend that to a lot of filmmakers to do that and and i a lot of filmmakers have a lot of success crowdfunding and all that and uh and i i just never really understood how they even do that you know i, I just I, I i i never understood like the mystery of indiegogo and like kickstarter i just don't i i don't get it like i don't understand how they get this money I just don't. Um, and uh, so I've never had any success with like any sort of those crowdfunding campaigns. And um, I've tried a couple, including that one, and I just haven't had any success with them. And uh, so it was just, but it was like, I, you know, I was like, you know what, I'm not going to like just drop this and then just, because like I've, you know, I don't, I just, I, I just, at the, especially at that time, like I needed to make a feature. Like I just, and if I was going to like, you know, I just lived like really cheaply and just lived really like uncomfortably, you know, and, uh, and just so I could save money and just like put it all towards the movie. And, um, um, but, uh, yeah, yeah. So with all the trials and tribulations with Drifter and your goal to, yeah. to make, to make a film, uh, before 30, the film eventually ended up on Netflix. 
Yeah, I mean, it was, um, yeah, it was pretty quick turnaround too, which is quite shocking. I mean, like, it was, yeah, the whole like first quarter of like 2017 last year was pretty hectic because it was like, because I, I was like in, I was prepping, uh, I was like in the thickness of like prepping Monster Party and meeting with all these actors for that. And, and then Drifter was like screening at UCLA and then it finally went to, had a little theatrical run at this like art house theater in Hollywood. And then it, and then it went to iTunes and like Amazon and all that afterwards. And then like, and then once we were filming Monster Party, uh, it went to Netflix on, uh, in May of last year. So no one had any more excuses to not watch the movie. So like everyone started to watch it then. And that like, that helped so much that went to Netflix. And, um, and you know, it's like, you know, you know, when it goes to Netflix, you know, it's like you start to like learn about the darkness of the internet and the trolls and, and, um, and the, you know, everyone has an opinion and everyone loves to comment. And, um, and at a certain point, they all just start saying the same thing and you just stop, you know, you start like, you know, just, I, I don't, you know, you don't, there's no point in responding to any of them. I just don't respond to anyone, you know, like any, if, if they're like obnoxious comments, you know, it's like, you just didn't get the movie. You just didn't get it. <laughs> like, but, um, but yeah, I mean, like it definitely like helped a lot. I mean, cause like the people, then there were people that like totally loved it and totally got what the movie was. And, um, and you know, was, you know, got some very nice messages from people and some not so nice messages from people. And so, so, you know, it's like, but you know, like that's, that's, you know, if you're going to, you know, if you're going to make movies, I mean, like, just gotta be thick skinned, you know, it's like, you just gotta embrace it, you know, but like, but yeah, it was, you know, it was, it was a very uh, interesting uh, time when, when, lear, lear, like, because I, I just wasn't expecting the movie to get as much exposure as it did. I thought it was gonna, you know, get like a little, like, you know, small, you know, small distributor and just like sort of like just move on. Um, but then like when I'm like, like the Hollywood Reporter's writing about it and like wow. IndieWire's writing, you know, like all, and, and then it's like, you know, uh, really getting released all over the world. I'm like, well, there you are, you know, and, and um, every decision you made is all up there for everyone to watch. And, um, but it's like, I don't, you know, it's like, I don't regret anything. It's like, I look back at it, it's like, I mean, that's, ex at that time, that was exactly the movie I wanted to make, you know? Like, so it's like, I mean, I just wanted to be, just push the soundtrack and push all that stuff, just maximize the aesthetic and to see where you got to pull back for later movies. Because um, this Monster Party movie is like, you know, it's a similar kind of like, uh, you know, kind of, genre hybrid kind of storytelling but like i mean it, it, it's still a very different movie at the same time like it's so like all the mistakes that i learned on that movie that people had no problem telling me about um i i i feel like i learned a lot from that and because I, I i always read like you know a handful of bad reviews and all that because like, you just want to like yeah, you, you know, just want to like know yeah. what what bothers people what doesn't work for people and um and you know, like just fix that stuff, and and, and you know, because like Moss Party, we spent like a year on the script. You know, I mean, like I just wanted to make sure that it was, you know, I mean, just the, 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 the an improvement. I just want to make sure, if anything else, I just want to make sure it was an improvement. I I feel like it is. Um, yeah. It's interesting because I was watching an interview with Margaret Atwood. It was a BBC documentary or something, and she was talking about her first book. It blew out the numbers that they had projected. Yeah. And someone gave her the advice, and he just looked at her and he said, "Now." They can shoot at you. Yeah. And especially too, where does this darkness come from? Yeah. You must have gone through these traumatic things. No, this is just what I write about. Mm -hmm. You don't have to have experienced them yeah. to, to go to that level of darkness. And so, yeah, she talked about it as well. So that flip side of, wow, I mean, did you really think that Drifter was going to get to that level when you were making it? Or you just needed to fulfill a goal for yourself? I needed to fulfill, fulfill a goal. And I had... I had no idea that it was going to get the kind of exposure it got, and uh, I mean, it was great in the long run. I mean, it did everything I needed it to do, um, so I have no regrets about any of them. Um, but you know, I mean, like, 
I, you know, I mean, like if there's if there is one regret, I just wish we spent a little bit more time on the screenplay, and I wasn't so unbelievably impatient, you know, because I'm a very antsy kind of person. And um, but but now I've like grown so much, uh, I think, as a filmmaker after that, because that movie like kind of changed a lot of things of how I want to approach things. So it's like now it's like I'm I've like grown to actually love writing now and like want to spend a lot of time on the screenplay and not just want to. You know, because I think Drifter, I was just like, at that point, I was really concerned about just like visual construction and like, um, and composition and aesthetic and, and style. Because that movie's all about the style. There's, you know, it's, it's all about the, the mood and the atmosphere and the music and the style. There's nothing really much more to it. That's, that's very much what it's about. It's like a big music video or something. And, and, and that's just like, that's at that time, that was the kind of movie I wanted to make. And now I'm much more interested in like, proper character development, proper narrative. Because like, that's why, I've, I mean, Drifter was a very particular kind of movie. Because like, even my shorts are nothing like that movie at all. It was like, that movie, I was like, let me just get this like ultimate nostalgic movie out of my system and, and uh, just purge myself and, you know, just chock full of all the stuff that um, I've always wanted to do. It, you know, just the things that um, I've loved growing up and all these like, all these obscurities and just like push everything to the max uh, from beginning to end and uh, and just see where it lands, you know? And it was very like, you know, it was a very polarizing movie when it came out. I thought it was a very interesting reaction that the movie got because I was like, really, this is such a small, tiny little movie. And, you know, it, it generated like a, a very like polarizing emotion from people. Like a lot of people take it very personally with that movie, like the, the way they were like reacting to it. So I was like, I mean, it's like, I, you know, it's like as long as they react, it's like, I, I don't care if they, love it or hate it, I just want people to react to it and have an opinion about it, you know, whether it's good or not. Because like, you know, if you read the good, or, if you believe the good reviews, you have to believe the bad reviews. So it's like at a certain point, it all just becomes like moot and just like, you just don't, you know, like they're all helpful, but it's like they don't, they, you shouldn't let reviews like, because the, the good reviews don't matter and the bad reviews don't matter, like in the grand scheme of things. But like, I think it's just good to, you know, just read them a little bit and not being so distant from them, because I think they're taking the time to write about your movie. They might be crapping all over it, but they are taking the time to write about them. I mean, at the time when Hollywood Reporter like gave a review, I was like, I was like, wow, this is like a tough, tough business. When I, you know, because they they gave a review that was uh, you know, not 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 the the best, and and um and and it's like you know they're not wrong. Like that's how they feel. And but I I, I just like reading that stuff. I'm like even even when they're criticizing it, they're still complimenting it inside of those. You know, it's like. Um, you know, because I think a lot of people thought it was like a much bigger movie. So, I mean, but like, you know, I don't think like it being a small movie should ever dictate how harsh you're going to be on something. It's still just the movie itself. But it's like, I do think some people literally did think that it was like a million dollar movie. And like, and, and it, you know, just wasn't at all. It was like, you know, like peanuts. It was like, I just, and um, so, I mean, I, I thought that was kind of funny that the, like they were kind of giving like almost like backhanded compliments in a way. But, um, but you know, yeah. Yeah, but you know, I think embrace the embrace the bad reviews, embrace all that stuff because it's just all part of making movies. You know. How did you get a distribution deal for it? How did it come? Uh, my my cinematographer um, had uh, come across a sales agent at uh, um, South by Southwest um, early 2015, and he had asked him if he had any movies that he was working on, like horror films, and uh, this was uh, one that he we were in soft prep for, and. Uh, no, I met with him right before we about the shoot, and then um, he switched over to a different company, um, like a sales agency company. And then uh, um, him and I, um, he he just kept on kept in touch with the movie. I was like sending him all these stills, and he came to set a couple times. And um, 
and then uh, then we cut a trailer for the American film market in 2015, uh, which was very very much like just as commercial of a trailer as we can make it. Just very much like straightforward action thriller cannibal movie, and like our movie is like <laughs> not that at all. I mean, it has all that stuff in it, but it's you know it's, it's a weird movie. And um, so you know make a trailer to like show at AFM and I like, get buyers to be interested in it. And, um, and there was like a couple distributors that he was constantly talking to for a while uh, while we were editing the film. And, and I hated showing work in progress versions of the movie because I'm like, no one's going to truly be able to experience this movie until it's mixed. Like this is like, it's, it's just a very specific kind of like hybrid tonal poem kind of like whacked out kind of experience. And like the soundtrack is so paramount for this movie and like 10 cent, like I just need to finish the movie before you truly see what this thing is. Um, and I think that almost about everything. It's like, I just, I never think the movie is good until it's finished. I just don't. I, I mean, and when I say finished, I mean like mixed. Like, the, I think the mixing is like the temple for the movie. And people underestimate that a lot, just like adjusting volumes. But I think it's like really much more than that. And um, all the little nuances really dictate the experience. And um, yeah, I mean, he was like, so he was like really loyal in the film. And, uh, and then, yeah, I mean, we were able to, um, a couple months after we, we finished the movie in like April of 2016, we had like a little like friends and family screening, and then a couple months later, we were able to lock in like a U.S. distributor, and then um, learning all about like the deliverables and all like then we're getting like the document, and it was like it gives you a migraine, like your brain starts bleeding just like reading all these things, You're just like oh my god, this is a nightmare. But but then you show it to like you know your sound mixer and your editor and your assistant editor and then it's much more you know they understand it much more clear um it's just so so overly technical the way it's described um and it's so many things they got to send um but but yeah i mean like then you know then yeah like we were up to and you know they ended up releasing the movie in like february of 2017 but australia released the film first uh, like around halloween of 2016 um so it was like on dvd out there and then and then after that, like then the following spring, it started like snowball and go U.S. and Canada and Germany and all these different places and, and all these seeing all these like fake posters that like Germany made and all these different seeing these like fake posters like you know some are awesome actually but like some I see them it's like well it's it's good artwork but it's like it's so unbelievable like I see what you're doing like but it's so not what this movie is at all like I remember like one poster said like 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 the book of Eli meets whatever it's like oh don't this movie is like it's like a it's like an a weird like acid trip David Lynchian kind of it's like not it's you know it has like cool action stuff in it but it's like not you know it's not like this movie that you're just describing to people you know so I thought that was kind of like kind of funny but excited like some people when they see the movie are like what the fuck? <laughs> you know but uh, but I, I just think that I think that's kind of fun though when people like Sometimes like are marketed something and then they see something like when Drive came out and everyone thought it was like Fast and the Furious and there some people were saying like what is this movie? Like, <laughs> but I think that's a nice surprise though sometimes you know. How did making your first feature film and then getting feedback on that film impact how you write things now? Oh, oh, hugely. I mean, oh, massively. I mean, because I, I mean, well, Megan Drifter. I mean, I, you know, I'm gonna be very, very honest. I was not focusing that much on screenplay, on narrative, on pedestrian plotting, on character development. I was very, very much more focused on a cold exercise in style. And like, that's like very much making scene after scene of stuff that I love and trying to like have a thin story like stitched together with like duct tape. And like, that's like, that was 100% the intention for that movie. Um, but then like, I mean, I, I I think like we were getting like a lot of like feedback like uh, in the editing of it and and um, you know I I knew that 
you know, there were some irreparable problems in the, in, in the movie that were dictated by like the weakness of the screenplay. And it, you know, kind of like, you know, shot myself in the foot a little bit by rushing into it a little bit. And because, and uh, you know, people were just so, they were just taking the movie so seriously. And like, they were just like being so like film school analytical about so many things. Like, um, um, you know, because the movie's like, you know, it's, it's a, I mean, if there is a story, it, like the, the, the kind of story it is, it's a movie that kind of like, it's one of those kind of movies where it starts off one thing and then by the end it's a very much different thing. It's like keeps on transforming itself. It's sort of like this like hybrid genre mashup kind of story, um, which is definitely the movie I wanted to make at the time. And, and I, I still think it's a fun picture when I watch it, a uh, fun movie. Um, picture, I sound like I'm in the 40s when I just said that. Like, but, <laughs> but I mean like, but, um, but yeah, I mean like, I, yeah, but like with Monster Party, I mean like, you know, that was like, a, that was a really wonderful experience because like now I have like, you know, there's a, a much more pressure on that movie. I have a lot of producers involved, uh, a lot of like great people involved, a lot of people that are much more experienced than I am, people that are extremely brutally honest from the word go, from the writing stage all the way through to the filming of it, to the editing of it, and to the sound, to the music, to everything. I had like people, you know, watching every element of that movie. Um, and they're all like, you know, very strong collaborators. And I really like, you know, I really loved working with these guys. and. Uh, um, but like that, I think that was great. It's like, I, I think like with Drifter, I like, I wanted like, I, I think I, maybe, maybe I like, that, that's what I like. I think that was like, I was always wanting like, there was like heavy hitting cutthroat producers. They were gonna say like, Chris, this is not working. Like we have to, you know, we have to like, you know, fix this because you're gonna kill your, you're gonna shoot yourself in the foot later on, you know, in the editing. So, and I had a lot of that in Monster Party. Like, you know, I had a lot of people like, um, um, you know, cause you get so inside the movie and, and, uh, and you need those outside perspectives. And um, you know, I didn't really have much of that on Drifter. You know, I didn't really have, you know, because we were kind of all friends with each other and um, mm. kind of all kind of came up together. So, it, you know, they weren't being as harsh as they might have should should have been. And uh, with Monster Party, you know, that that was not the case. You know, and um, so, but like, but I think I think that was great in the long run because at the end of the day, it's the movie. It's the it's not your auteur personality. It's not. It's not like, you know, your, you know, cool, cool style stuff. I mean, it's the movie. I mean, at a certain point, it's not even your movie anymore. It's like, the, you know, it has to be as accessible as possible. And I think, uh, and so that Must Party really was a great transition for me to, it was almost like a new chapter in my life to, to really kind of like explore new territory and really, um, you know, go back to like, I guess the roots of like um, uh, the storytelling that I was attracted to and, uh, and um and just really approach it from a much more mature angle and um and you know kind of have the soundtrack and the style sort of like organically climb inside the movie a little bit more and not sort of hijack the movie like drifter was doing and um uh but yeah no i mean like uh i mean i'm yeah i'm, I'm yeah I'm, I'm very proud of the experience of monster Bar. i'm very proud of the movie yeah do you think most of the characters that let's say your main character in in any one of your features do they really go through like the hero's journey? Because it, it's it, in some ways it, it's different. A horror movie is not going to end necessarily in a great light where yeah. this, this hero has realized their potential or saved something, and, and it's it's often not the case. Yeah, I mean, like I mean, Drifter, I was like trying to do that, but, but like Moss Party definitely, I, I would say, has a hero's journey story. Um, uh, I mean, like I, I I do, but I am very attracted to like stories that are populated by um 
I, I like like morality tales. I, I like movies that have like a moral tightrope that, char- that like uh, the characters are walking, that a lead character might do something that you might not totally agree with, that might be a little messed up. But, um, and I'm gonna challenge you if you still wanna keep going on that ride with them. Um, I mean like a movie that, I mean a really random example that I bring up, because it, it's so notorious for being so bad it's good, even though I think it's a genuinely really fun movie, is Showgirls, you know, which I love Showgirls, it's great. Um, like, I'm not saying that ironically, I really enjoy that movie. Mm-hmm. The first time I saw it was with my mother, it was a very ra- weird experience, but, <laughs> but I mean, like, w- what's really fascinating about that movie that I am trying to do, and certainly try to do in Monster Party a lot, was um, every character in that movie is kind of like, little like, you know, kind of like, has badness in them. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, they might disguise it, but they're all kind of like very, yeah. they have bad, bad qualities about them. Even like Naomi, like the main character. And there's like the only innocent character in that movie is um, like the girl is like the makeup artist and she gets punished for being innocent in this world of horrible people. And she gets punished quite horribly. And people forget about that really horrible scene in the third act with her and the rock star guy. And like, that's a very eye-opening, vicious scene that she gets punished for being good, being a good, pure person around these terrible people, including the lead character. And like, that's, that's sort of like what I try to dabble in with Monster Party. Like, the, the, where it's like, cause you know, it's sort of like very flawed people against even more flawed people. And the people that you would think would not be flawed are way more flawed than you could have possibly imagined. And, but there are a couple very innocent people in the movie that, that um, get extremely punished for being very genuine. And, the, and like, that's like, that's the kind of, I mean, that, that, that's always been, I don't, I, I, I mean, it sounds like a sick way of looking at things, but that's always been sort of like the, that's always been sort of like the, 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 the outlook that I've always like saw the world in, you know, like we're, you know, just sometimes like good deeds go, you know, like they always say like, no, good deed goes unpunished or whatever. And like, and, and just innocent people paying the price for being what they are and bad people sort of having this power and like, you know, I just, the moral corruption of um, of the world and like in our society and our generation and I'm and I'm always like trying to make some sort of like bold statement about how I see I'm not just trying to make these sort of like cool genre movies and, and violence and cool stuff and like I'm I mean that's all fun but it's like I'm I, I'm really trying to like sneak in like a very bold statement about how I uh, um, see the world because a lot of it's very personal. I mean, like as whacked out as some of them, some of the stuff is. It, it is very, very personal about like the kind of tone and the kind of um, the nature of certain main char- lead characters that we're supposed to be rooting for and like sort of like. I mean, every one of them sort of has. Yeah, I mean, I think like when you're making movies, I think you when you're writing stories, I think you really have to uh, you have to put all your good traits on screen, but you also have to put a lot of your bad traits on screen. And no mm. one wants to see just good traits. I mean, you have to mm. almost embarrass yourself by putting in really bad traits about yourself and um and uh and and that, i don't know that's just like i mean do it in like a very fun kind of accessible way but like um but yeah i mean like, that's like that's that's always been the sort of like um kind of th- those kind of stories i've always been really attracted to or like carrie yeah i mean like carrie's great right just being punished at home being punished i mean at that's the high school. such a cynical story you know and then she you know, and then just has no, has no, um, she has no other options but to like just terrorize her prom and then she pays the price for it. And like, I mean, that's such like a sad, what is, that's a great morality tale. And I mean, I, there's, I don't know, there's the kind of stories that, 
I just think like, you know, because everyone has flaws and like, you know, I, I, everyone has like darkness inside of them and some people do a better job clothing, like disguising them, but, but I, I don't know, I just, I just, I, I like movies that really kind of like push uh, the boundaries of like what um, our like, like protagonists are capable of and uh, um, sort of like, I don't know, maybe somewhat bad people against worse people or something, you know, I mean, like that's, <laughs> I just always been, I just always been attracted to that kind of storytelling, you know. Right, and when you see the bad people, are the ones that are sort of the stereotypical what you think that if you saw them in a dark alley, and sometimes those actually aren't the ones that are the worst. Yeah, it's the ones that you would think are a little more trustworthy. Oh yeah, I mean, I mean, like I, you know, like one of my favorite directors is uh, Larry Clark, and like you know how he films like Bully and Kids and Ken Park and all that, and like those films are really very disturbing experiences, but like, they are characters that are, I mean, like, I, I grew up very much around those kind of people. Like my brother was very much, like he, he was very much friends with those kind of kids. Um, uh, so I, I just like, I think a lot of that kind of stuff, like hearing really revolting things that these kids would say and seeing stuff that they would do and hearing stories about them, uh, what they would do. And, and uh, I think a lot of that um, stuff like I, I, I try to translate uh, in, in sort of like a you know I guess cinematic format and try to go back to that kind of that's just like I don't know that's just the way it just comes from like up, you know just growing up and, and the kind just the kind of people I was around in high school and all that and just the kind of things that I saw and, and um, you know just the yeah I mean like I, I just and just just really you know disturbing tragic things that are happening uh, with people and, and um so that was always, um, I mean, I just, it, you know, it's, it, at a certain point, you can't quite see the world in any other way until, until you get into, like, your later years. But, like, but I, I'm just, like, I'm just, like, very stemming on, like, how I, how, how the world was around me growing up. Like, the kind of people that I um, interacted with or the kind of people that I grew up around and, like, people's houses that I went to and just the stuff I saw and, like, all these, like, really whacked out, like, dysfunctional things that were happening inside these houses and, and these kids and and um and so yeah i mean like I, i'm just that that's like i don't know i'm just very i mean i'm very attracted i'm just very attracted to that 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 kind of that kind of stuff and i like, just really making it as grounded as possible but you know in like a cinematic cinematic kind of way which one of your films are you most proud of well i mean like i mean i i, I am very 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 proud of monster party i mean I, if i mean like as far as like maybe a short i mean this uh I made the short called like White Trash and it was like 2014, we shot it in 2013 um, and played a few festivals in 2014. That, that was like, probably like, as far as like the short films, probably like, I mean, that was like definitely the most commercial thing I'd ever made and it was like definitely the most well-received as well. Um, it was just a different, you know, it was a different, um, you know, it was, it was, a, it, it was like a, a female-led story and it was a very like, um, I, I, I was just, it, it was, I don't know, it just, it just it seemed to, I mean, it was a genre piece, but it was, it was, I don't know, connected with a lot of people, and it was, I was, I'm still to this day, I'm very, very, very proud of that um, uh, movie, but, but like, yeah, I mean, that and Monster Party, I think, uh, the things I'm the most proud of, I mean, Monster Party definitely, um, um, it, you know, it just, uh, it, I mean, it's, 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 like, I think everything I've learned in the last several years is inside that movie, and, um, and, you know, I just went through such a experience uh, writing that and thing and shooting and editing and scoring and all that stuff. And that 
when I finally finished the movie, I felt like I almost like saw the world again for the first time for like in like two years or something because I was so consumed in that movie. But um, but it's also one of my it's a, it's actually a very very personal movie as twisted as it is in places. I mean, it's like the lead character is very much a representation of me to a degree, um, uh, for better or for worse. You know, like I mean, it was very much like uh, you know, I had a, it was injecting a lot more uh, personal stuff into it. That, that maybe I hadn't done a lot in the past. So yeah, it's like Mossberg, I'm definitely very, uh, very, very proud of it. This phrase called leveling up is like this new sort of catchphrase. I don't know, maybe it's been around for a I long time. That. I but it, I, and I, I was new to me too. I guess it means like, especially in maybe the entrepreneur world, you're kind of going to a new level and all the problems that come up with that. And you would think it's, it's good to be at that level, but really there's all these new things that have come. Mm -hmm. So for you, um, how have you dealt with, let's say, leveling up? Whatever that means to you, whether it's having the Hollywood Reporter write about your film, having mm -hmm. people from all over the world have an opinion about your film that was really just this personal movie that you wanted to make for yourself by a certain time, and now it's like become a thing and it's out there and, and people have an opinion. How have you dealt with the new level of pressure that comes from being at different stages? Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think, well, it was funny because like when I was making all these shorts, it was like I was getting so aggravated that they weren't getting exposure. Then when Drifter got all the exposure, I'm like, oh my god, I want to like hide under floorboards or something. But, but I mean, like, but I mean, like, I, like enough people like that movie. It's like to have kept me creatively afloat. Um, it's not like everybody, you know. It's like I mean, not, it was a, it was a very divisive kind of a reaction, which I, I, you know, I thought that was kind of cool. But like, um, but then with like Moss Party, it was like such a you know, you almost think it's gonna be like a little bit easier because all you have to do is like direct and write it, but it was actually like, because like now you got like 50 person crew, you got an ensemble of like seasoned professional actors. Um, they were wonderful, by the way. It was like such a great, incredible experience working with those actors. But, um, but, but you know, you got a lot of, lot of cooks in the kitchen. You got, ears in your ear. Yeah, a lot, lot of ears in your ear. Uh, and as, as well as they should at a certain, you know, it's like I understand where they're coming from and like they're trying to, um, you know, I mean, they're trying to protect the product and, and they're all, we're all just trying to make the greatest movie we could possibly make. And, um, uh, but yeah, I mean, I think, and also dealing with um, uh, trusting department heads uh, because I was so used to doing so many things myself, like production design and props and all that stuff. And, you know, uh, it, that was a little, that took me a little bit to adapt to that. But then at a certain point, there's so many things that you gotta, cause like, you know, Mossberry was was a much more uh, dense story than Drifter. Mossberry was a very is a very plot driven movie. Uh, a lot of character dynamics, a lot of like ensemble. It's a very very dense kind of plot story. Um, uh, so I mean, like it was you know it was a complicated movie to shoot, um, uh, and and it just challenged me so much on so many levels, and um, and and like just it was really just thrown into the atomic fire, and just like with all these with all these like uh, I mean the last day like, one of the last days we had the we shot like at this mansion in Malibu for like a couple weeks and like there were like a hundred people inside like the last day we were there and oh. it was like and a lot of them were like friends and all that but like I mean you know it was like, it was like oh, yeah, yeah. I mean like this is like you know it's like everyone's watching you and all that like and, and you just um, but you know at a certain point you just sort of like tune that stuff out and just focus on what's what what you have to do and like and, and you know all those you know all those people sort of just um, 
you know, I mean, you just got to focus on like, like the movie that you're trying to make and not get, like we were saying before, like what's inside the frame and not get too distracted and all that. And, uh, you know, I mean, it's tough, you know, it's, it's, it's like, it was, it was, I mean, it was, it was tough like going into like from a movie with a skeleton crew to like a movie with like, whoa, this is way bigger than I thought, you know, but like, um, but it was, you know, but like in the grand scheme of things, it was, it was an awesome experience though. I mean, it was like, cause it just trained me so hard to like, you know, it just challenged, it pushed me so hard. It like, it just challenged me so hard. And, and it just, um, you know, it, 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 it just, it, it really like, if you can get through that, it's like, it makes you, it, it's almost like a, I kind of looked at it like movie boot camp a little bit, you know, which, you know, I, I feel like you got to go through it. You know, you got to go through it. And it was very much like a boot camp, you know, and it, but a very like, um, uh, in, in, a, in a good way in the grand scheme of things, you know, very strong, yeah. Is there any inspiring story around your first feature film, Drifter, that led you to the producing team behind your second feature, Monster Party? I mean, I, I was, uh, you know, um, introduced to the, the, the producer for Monster Party through, through Drifter, like through uh, someone that was involved in that movie. And the, um, so that, that, was, that was probably like the, the biggest thing. I mean, I, but also I, I think with Drifter, I think, um, I mean, like Drifter really, I, I think, um, you know, like, I mean, like, like whatever people like think about the movie itself, it's like, you know, it is a very confidently made movie from an aesthetic point of view. And like, um, and I think perhaps like producers were very, they responded to that very well because they knew that it was a very uh, micro budget. And like they, I think that just gave them a lot of confidence to um, think that, you know, maybe, maybe, you know, this kid can do this for a little bit bigger budget than, than we're initially thinking about. And, um, and cause that, you know, the script also, you know, it needed, it, it, you know, it needed that a little bit, you know. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think um, it, it just really, I think, enhanced uh, people's confidence that um, that you know, I you know, I can you know, because that movie was very you know, very ambitious. What we were trying to do as well. So it's like I'm just I'm very attracted to you know, ambitious kind of storytelling and, and sort of just trying to make the movies as cinematic as possible for you know, very little money. And um, and uh, you know, and and I think they just I think Drifter really kind of like. And as far and as well as like the actors as well as well that came on board that helped a lot with them and and it just you know just um, enhanced a lot of people's confidence that like you know I can that, that you know that I can I can I can sculpt the film I can like, I, I I understand like working with actors and truncated schedules and executing aesthetic and story and all that and um, so yeah I mean I th yeah it definitely helped uh, uh, quite a bit I mean yeah I mean I think that and you know the script for Monster Party I think both those things. Uh, um, you know, just certainly helped a lot. Yeah. Do you get bored easily? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I was I was wondering, does because that oh. then takes you to a new. It seems like you're constantly pushing yourself upward with things. Like yeah. No, trying I mean, I, new I challenges. Just, yeah. I mean, I just like because um, I just I, every time I make finish a movie, I just watch it way too many times. Like even when it's done, I watch it like too many times because I'm trying to. I think what I've really because I do that. I've been doing that since like my first shorts. I mean, like, and I think what I'm trying to do is like I'm trying to. Um, watch it so many times that I just hate it so much because I've seen all the mistakes and all the problems that drive me nuts watching it that I don't, I, I want to just tally up all those mistakes and just fix them on the next one. And then I'll watch that and fix, you know, all the mistakes and then fix them on the next one. And I think like that's, so I think with like each movie, it's like, you know, I, there's always like massive, I mean, the, there's so many, the biggest, Thing that frustrates me a lot of filmmakers that they kind of move sideways a little bit they're always they're not really 
you know, their movies are, you know, cool and stylish and all that, but like they're not really, they kind of all blend in with each other. They kind of all look the same. Like they kind of all have this sort of feel about them that they feel like, I don't, I can't tell like when, was this movie made first or second? I mean like, <laughs> right. you know, it's like you want to make sure that like, you know this is the most recent thing you've done because it's the strongest you've done. And like, and you're only as good as your last movie. And like, and I mean, Denis Villeneuve, I think is an incredible director who did like Blade Runner and like Sicario and all that. And he's like, I mean, he's, he's a guy that's just always, I mean, he's just cranking movie after movie after, I mean, he's just always, like, bettering himself more and more, and, like, um, and I'm just not a, you know, I, I think it was just upbringing, I'm just, I've just never been, like, a, um, a cocky person, you know, I've just never, I've never been comfortable with, uh, um, you know, I think, I think you grow up, you get, like, you're always getting, like, criticized about every single thing you're doing, and always being commented by, on every single thing you're doing, and so it's, like, I think I grew up, like, never thinking anything that I did was like up to snuff, like ever good. And like, you know, I just would constantly feel like the next one, oh, the next one is going to be the one. And like, that's how I always saw where it's like almost like everything in the past doesn't even like mean anything. It's like, I'm always like starting off uh, fresh again as if I never made a movie or something. Like that's like how I always sort of like um, look at it. And I just, uh, you know, I just never been like a self-satisfied kind of person. I mean, it's just like, I, it's just, I, I mean, there's so many people out there that are just like so, they're just so like, you know, full of, like they're so cocky and like so overly <laughs> confident with their stuff. and Especially in I mean, LA. Oh my God. It's like, it's revolting, honestly. But, but yeah, I mean, I've just never, I've just never been that personality, you know, because I've just, you know, because I've learned the hard way on so many things for years. And, you know, I've taken a sledgehammer to the face for years and like, and just with endless, relentless failure all the time. And so it's like, I just, I'm just grateful enough to like even be in this industry and like, and I'm just very grateful for all the opportunities and, uh, and just trying to keep on making it very uh, clear that, 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 um, that, you know, that you deserve to be in that position. And so it's like, you want to keep bettering yourself and, and learning from your mistakes and, and, and getting stronger and stronger and, and working your way up. And it's like, that's, that's always been my sort of mentality. You know? Is it almost better in some ways though? Because sometimes people that have had it so easy, I don't think they're pushed enough. Oh yeah, I mean like the, like the people that I was talking about like kind of move sideways is the ones that are like, they get success right out the gate. Like every movie they make goes to these prestigious film festivals and all that. I see these stuff, I'm like, you know, like, yeah, how do you get that there? And, and you know, I just, um, I mean, yeah, I mean, I, I'm, I'm really, I'm not a, yeah, I mean, like, uh, you know, I think it's great to have, like, a perfect movie as your first movie coming out and all these accolades and all these awards, but, you know, I mean, like, if you want a long career, you know, it's like you're going to be compared to that for the rest of your life. And, like, you know, I've, I've always, and they, some people can do that really well. I think Damien Giselle, I think uh, he's going to have an awesome career. I mean, he's one of those guys that, like, keeps on cranking him out really well. But, like, but, um, but uh, yeah, I mean, I, I've, I've always, like, been the sort of, like, the John Carpenter kind of route, Robert Rodriguez kind of route, just sort of, like, just keep making movies, working, working your way up and getting better and better and just kind of working your way up to that, you know, because uh, I would love to make big movies. I mean, like, I, I just, I, I feel like, I, I, I feel like I can't really make small movies. Like, I, I, I just, I, I don't know, I just, um, I, I just, I, I love, like, cinematic story, like, big set pieces and, like, I just love, like, like scope. Like, and, um, um, like, we got to shoot Monster Party in Anamorphic and it was, like, my first time shooting in Anamorphic and it was wonderful. It was great. It was, like, you know, this, this, you know, it was just a really wonderful experiment to shoot in anamorphic lenses and it was wonderful. But, um, but, uh, yeah, yeah.